This is TDPS. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and everyone here at TDPS would like to congratulate my co-host and best friend, Christopher Rice, also known as steamy romance author C. Travis Rice, on the publication of Sapphire Storm, the third novel in his Sapphire Cove series. Sapphire Storm is the drama-filled tale of a forbidden romance that exposes old secrets and incurs the wrath of the powerful and the famous. It went on sale March 7th, along with the first two entries in the series, Sapphire Sunset and Sapphire Spring. It's available wherever eBooks are sold. Congratulations, C. Travis Rice, and congratulations, Christopher. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shockwin. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. But just by the skin of our teeth, <laughs> it was not clear if it was going to start the show or not today, but we are. I'm going to say something. So we're going. Go and ahead. I'm going to say something as my code for I'm going to tell a story that's just a little bit too long. Um, we used to do a live show in this very studio space. And so we sometimes get back into live show mentality and we get really stressed out before. And we're like, we have to time the beginning right. And it's like, this is all recorded. We can we can fix this later or redo it. I believe that we means <laughs> Christopher. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really feeling that. I, I think it's a we. I'm going to go with we. Yeah, I'm really all stressed out. You uh, can tell yeah. how stressed out I am about all of this. You are going to be stressed out by the time we finish this episode. <laughs> okay, then. Um, um, I, another warning. I like to do warnings, disclaimers. I like to get people's expectations down, sort of, sort of mid-range. Because uh, every, every, <laughs> this show. I don't know. It's a snore. Uh, we do, this is an after-lunch episode. We've had lunch, and now we're recording an episode. And I'll tell you, while no one supports me in this suspicion, I believe that our last few lunches were poisoned with some sort of narcotic <laughs> that made me sleepy and aggressive. That and were, but in order to really be affected by this poison, you had to eat a quarter to a half a pound of French fries. This is hate speech. What's happening right now? French fried potatoes. <laughs> French fried potatoes. Uh, um, so I didn't eat the French fries this week. And you seem fine. And I seem mm, okay. I'm well, okay. I mean, you're still you. I'm still nuts. They still, still have to moderate our expectations. Completely but, crazy. Yeah. Completely crazy. Um, so it, the, the, this is winter time. You can you're our director of branding. What the hell month is this? Winter time doing? crime. Winter time crime. And it's not a month. It's just this current iteration of. <laughs> we can't say TDPS it's a, presents because it's never a month and you don't, we don't know when you're listening to it and it's not necessarily even winter, but the, but the theme of these months is of these couple of episodes in this particular um, grouping is winter. So it's wintertime crime. Wintertime crimes. Uh, we're doing the show is called Ice Cold Killers. In case you really didn't get it from wintertime crimes, we just want to be double down 
The episode title is Open Season. It's season five, episode six. Our standard disclaimer here at True Crime TV Club is you do not have to have watched the episode to enjoy what we're about to do, but it helps if you have done some sort of drugs because we're funnier that way. No, that's not the standard disclaimer. That's <laughs> that the is, French fries talking. That is the French fries talking. Like <laughs> you, you, You'll have to be your own judge of whether you need to be medicated in order to listen to us or not. We don't know why you're listening to us in the first <laughs> place. No, what's wrong with we you We just people? want to thank you. We appreciate it. If, we you're love just you. being, if you're just being nice to us, we appreciate that. That's we, great. We sometimes get the most lovely notes. They come to us. Shea Butters, our And we man, appreciate sir. them because you can't. we can't hear you from here. So it's always right. nice to know that you're enjoying the show. And sometimes it's even quite touching. Thank you. Shea Butters, our manservant, mans the Facebook page. And he will send us, when he's in a good mood, he will forward the nice things. Usually we only yelled at him or locked him into the the butler's pantry recently he'll send us nice stuff he usually only forwards the mean things though because he's shay yeah yeah but anyway uh lovely notes thank you for listening with those weird little things with the pinching the it looks like it's pitching a nipple those little oh my posts don't on get the, me started on the spam those are bots. So weird what is the point like i can understand oh, if it was God. something now somebody has started this thing on I noticed they started adding to our Twitter posts where it's like being including you in some contest they're trying to get you involved in. I just don't it's understand those things. The worst it's ever been. Well, Twitter is the sewer. I don't know what's going on with Twitter. Twitter is, we've kind we, of almost we've given We've stopped up. On promoting on Twitter. It's just a mess. But Facebook has stayed our mainstay. But of late, the spam bots, they're just in the comments thread. And yeah, and I think the idea is the pimple popper videos are supposed to get you to click on the video to see what it is. I, it's a popular show. This has nothing to do with that show. I don't know what it These is. These are all like hijacked accounts that will comment on certain things. And I just go in every day and delete. Excuse me, Shea Butters goes in every day and deletes them, and then demands extra hourly billing out of us here at TDPS. Because that's you know that's our Shea. That's our Shea. All right, ice cold killers, one day at a time. I will not call it ice cold truckers or ice road truckers, which is the show that used to be on that my aunt would watch late at night. Really? <laughs> yeah, Karen would watch it sometimes. What is it about? It's about. They these people are well. There are these trucks, <laughs> and then there's a road. Yeah, and there's ice. I guess it's like extreme delivery. They're they're taking these cargo trucks up in the Yukon or Alaska. I, they may be servicing oil pipelines or whatever, but it's like the most dangerous roads in the world. And you have an enormous truck you have to maneuver, and there are always wrecks, and they have the to extract. The most dangerous and, roads in the world. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh, I would think that would be where people are driving. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. No, it's in Norway. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's in Norway. It's a terrifying road. It's just a series of switchbacks that goes straight up a mountain. I think it's on a fjord. That's your personal fear. That has it, nothing to do with it being the most really dangerous, dangerous road in the world. It is dangerous. You could just go How many people drive off every year? I don't know. The Norwegians are very, they keep that stuff close to the vest. Yeah. I wonder how that would compare to how many people are smushed on the L.A. freeway <laughs> so on saying, a daily basis. You're saying the 405 is the most dangerous Way road. Way more dangerous because yeah. there's other people. Actually, I think I might know something about this, but my information <laughs> might be 30 years old and out of date. I actually, Let's hear it. I think the most the highest rate of fatalities in the state of California may be Highway 62, which goes from Palm Springs to 29 Palms. And there are a lot of drunk drive two-lane, blacktop, not a mountain road, but a lot of drunk driving accidents, not very well lit. 
And the way I heard it phrased, but this sounds like victim blaming, is that it was Marine Corps culture and partying in Palm Springs and young people getting drunk and driving too fast because there's a big Marine base at 29 Palms. One of the one of the highest fatality rates of any road in California, at least. I remember when I'm trying to remember what it was. They wouldn't. The federal government threatened to cut off Louisiana's highway yes. funding if they didn't raise the drinking age. Yes, that was around my birthday. They were like, they had. They finally said, okay, we have tried everything. We've yes. tried being nice, and now we've had it. We're going to cut off your federal highway funds if you don't raise the drinking age. It was 1996. I had just turned 18, and the state officially lowered the drinking age to 18, whereas previously there was a loophole in the law that said if they the bartender served you and you were underage, the bartender was not liable. You were. So everybody was using this loophole, and it was almost like the drinking age was lower than everywhere else in the country, but it wasn't officially. They lowered it to 18. I had a killer birthday party. <laughs> I mean, with champagne fountains and the like. Uh-huh. And um, the front of the Times-Picayune, the newspaper in New Orleans, was teenagers lying passed out in the gutter. And it was President Clinton who said, either raise it again or I'm cutting off all your your highway money. (laughs) Because the highway between Houston and New Orleans, I think, is also called the corridor of death. Because the Houston kids would come in to drink in New Orleans and then get in accidents on the way back. The 10. Yeah, Yeah, the 10. You know, like, I always felt like with that, with Louisiana, I always felt like... If you can get your chin over the bar and pay the tab, you can get a drink in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. So you can make the raise, the, yeah, raise the raise the drinking age to forty two. <laughs> Go ahead. Like I can't see that there is a correlation between the age of the drinkers in Louisiana mm-hmm. and what the the legal age would be. I just I don't see that as being a big thing in Louisiana. Yeah. Like they have drive through daiquiri stands yes. in Louisiana. Absolutely. Like, so, yeah, toters are still a real thing in and it, Louisiana. if you want a sample at the drive-thru, they fill up a little thimble-sized cup with a little bit of daiquiri. And as they hand it to you, they just hold one of the full-sized lids over it so that it's not technically an open container right. passing from the window. <laughs> it's like you couldn't drink your, your yeah. daiquiri as soon as they give it to you in the car, like right. for heaven's sakes. Which is what everybody and does. And when you're leaving the bar, they give you a plastic cup so that you can keep... Your, uh, so that you don't damage your uh, yes. your souvenir glass that you bought with your hurricane at what have you. It's just yeah. yeah. I just always thought that you really that's the barn door horses. Horses. That's all I got to say about that. The drunk horses are uh, already out. They're already throwing up in the field somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> while their other horse friend holds their hair back. Right. Keeps their mane out of it. Keep my mane out. All right. That's enough tomfoolery. I don't know what that was. We really went off on a tangent there. Yeah, we were just completely. We re- need to get back to our typical standard serious attitudes around here. Ice By cold God. killers, open season, season oh, five episode. Dangerous six. highways. That's what's started. Yes, this. absolutely. You were uh, making fun of my notes. I heard earlier you were reading them like Keith Morrison from Dateline. Apparently. Um, I was reading them to you, like Keith Morrison. I don't know who you yes. heard that from, I but heard it from I would you. suggest it would be you I heard listening to you. me. I heard it from you. Yeah, it does start out very dramatically. It's a dark, oh, stormy night. On a bone-chilling yes. night in rural Missouri, the murder of a beloved outdoorsman leaves a community baffled. 
Festus, Missouri is a rural community <laughs> nestled Which along just, the Festus banks. was the name of the drunken <laughs> deputy on on um, gun smoke all of my childhood. It's, I, that's, I can't say serious. Festus yes. was... White trash, thy name is Festus. Right. And we're allowed to make jokes about white trash because we are white. We, we are come, white trash. We come we from... not looking down on other people. We are talking to our peers. <laughs> we're talking to our cousins. That's correct. And love interests. Okay, Festus, Missouri is a rural community nestled, nestled along the banks of the Mississippi River. <laughs> not to be confused River. with that chocolate that Christopher is so d- fond of. <laughs> I need you to focus. And... <laughs> I just, it was a mistake to call it Nestle Crunch. I guess it's Nestle Crunch, but I called it Nestle Crunch once. And I would like us to move on um, from the Nestle. Well, then you have to stop calling it Nestle Crunch. (laughs) As long as you continue to call it that, I'm probably going to crack up every time. So it's like some New England girl. I'll call it Nestle. Nestle Crunch. Excuse me. Festus, Missouri is a rural community nestled along the banks of the, the Mississippi River. The angry letters River. from New England girls <laughs> pouring in for Christopher's derogatory impersonation. They're going to be fine. White uh, girls from New England are just fine. They are not worried about us. Yeah. They got their, they got worries that it ain't us. Did we just hate this episode? We're having a hard time getting into it. It's not, it's not one of our densest. I'm denses. having a good time. Okay. Festus, Missouri. Is everybody out there having a good time? Christopher seems worried. I think he had too much coffee. Festus, Missouri. I don't drink coffee. Well, that, then he didn't have enough, maybe. Okay, I'm going to try this again. The icy river water creates its own subclimate, which sounds fucking horrifying. Sounds really cold. Tim Rowden is our first talking head. He is identified as a former reporter for the St. Louis Dispatch. Uh, Josh, My notes say Josh Holman is interviewed, and he's kind of cute. Boy, my head was in the right place. Right? Really? That, those are the salient points. That's what we really want to know. So this is one of those specials where it's like, okay, so Josh Holman, as we will soon learn, is the son of the victim in this crime. No, no. We learned the next thing we learn is that Josh Holman has glasses and thick hair. That's what it says in my notes. <laughs> I have different notes. We have different <laughs> notes for this show. Linda Albuchon is interviewed, and it's clear these early interviews are all about the weather in Festus because the show is called Ice Cold Killers. So they made these poor people talk about the weather for an hour before they got into talking about because their love Because that friends. was really the most that happened in this yeah. episode was that it was the weather. Larry Holman likes to deer hunt and turkey hunt, and he doesn't stop hunting even though it's freezing cold. I feel like that was my commentary sneaking into the notes there. Even though the animals kind of go somewhere else because it's freezing cold, don't they? Yes, that's what I was thinking. What is he hunting? I don't know. Apparently, deers with um with with those puffy (laughs) down jackets or parka deers. Yeah, yeah, parka deers. I can see the notes on our Facebook page. Well, actually, in winter, you can hunt this and this and this. Okay, that'll be exciting. And yeah, because we're big experts (laughs) on hunting. I would think turkeys would fly away somewhere warmer. Can turkeys fly? I think some of them. I saw this thing the other day saying they could fly 50 miles an hour or something. I was like, what? really? I thought they drowned when it rained. When I, is the turkey very uprising? Intel- very intelligent animals. There's can... going to be a turkey rebellion if they can fly 50 miles an it hour. It may have been a joke article on, I don't... on Thanksgiving. You I never think can tell. that's exactly what do not think a turkey can fly 50 miles an hour. I mean, that's the whole point of that WKRP episode. No, what, tell us about the episode. Oh, you don't remember that episode? They, they're, they're, the WKRP is that 
comedy show that that I discovered in reruns with the rest of America. Right. And there, Lonnie about Anderson. A, yeah, Lonnie Anderson really got her start there. It's about a um, it's about a radio station in Cincinnati, right? And um, it's called WKRP in Cincinnati. That yeah. so there's the big clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're always trying to promote. They come up. The they're really incompetent at everything they do. And the news director and the head of um, radio ad sales come up with this promotion where they're going to fly over the local mall um, at Thanksgiving in a helicopter and <laughs> drop live turkeys from the helicopter mm-hmm. um, onto the crowd. But turkeys can't fly, so <laughs> they're throwing live turkeys out of a helicopter into a crowd as they're describing it. It is really one of the funniest things I've ever because you don't see it. If you saw it, it would be disgusting and horrible. Yes, but of you course. just hear this crazy news guy describing what's happening um, at, as they're throwing turkeys, mm-hmm. these poor turkeys, out of yeah. out of a helicopter in there. Hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Oh, the humanity, he says. Yeah, yeah, you had to be there. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So Larry Holman likes to deer hunt and turkey hunt, and he doesn't stop hunting even though it's freezing cold. We interview his brother, Randy Holman. Uh, The only thing Larry cherishes more than hunting is spending time with his wife, Tammy, and their children, one of whom is Josh. Larry met Tammy while she was still in her teens, and he was in his 20s, and they met at church. That is... That is not a good comedy. That is the start of a yeah, dark not series a on Showtime or something. Yeah, yeah it's no. like, I'm not seeing that turning out well. Discovery ID needs to start a show called In Her Teens at Church, because yeah. a lot of these stories start this way. And, and it never leads to a great place. Josh says his dad was a caring man who taught him how to hunt. Those two phrases don't go together. Um, not that I'm <laughs> anti-hunting, but come on. Uh, One day, his dad's going out to scouting for a hunt and asks his son to go along, but he changes his mind at the last minute because he's expecting a call from the cable company. So he decides to let his 10-year-old son handle the phone call because he wants him to have more responsibility. So I want to just let's 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 unpack unpack this. this. Yeah, Yeah, I was just going to say there's a lot going on here. You work for the cable company, and you're making a scheduled call. That's about your business and your job. And the first thing they say on any of those calls is you have to have somebody there who is 18 or older in order to even talk to the cable company. And I think this is why, because I think this story might have been long enough ago that people thought this was a good idea. I'll have my 10-year-old handle the cable company. Like, what was this call about? Was it a scheduling call? Like, I'm sorry. I, I, my takeaway was, so what was, he, what was really going mm-hmm. on here? 
that's this whole episode. What the hell was really going on? Yes, I this think that, be one that of those, covers the whole episode. They did not tell the real story. Not a bit. But for some reason, the um, guy was wanting to take his 10-year-old son out into the freezing cold weather to go hunting. And then the wife prevented it and he needed to stay home to answer a phone call from Spectrum, even though he's 10 and his wife was presumably older than that and capable of answering the phone. So that seems suspicious to me on the face of it. So Josh heads out to a wooded area close to the factory where he works. The company allows their employees to hunt on the property because apparently there's a lot of it. That evening, one of Larry's co-workers is driving into work when he spots a car off to the side of the road with its headlights still on and someone is slumped behind the steering wheel. We interview Sergeant William McDaniel of the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, who tells us the door was ajar, the victim's left hand was in his lap, and his foot was on the brake, and the engine was in drive. There's also a soda between his legs and a coffee straw in his mouth. It's Larry Holman. McDaniels has known him personally for years and is able to identify him as the victim because he has a single gunshot wound to the back of his head. It looks like he was struck while driving because the passenger side window is shattered. Was it a stray bullet? Is this a hunting accident? These are apparently common in this part of the world. They notify the family. His wife, uh, Tammy, says there's nobody who wanted him dead. I just want to say, having watched a lot of these specials, if you say that, you sound like the killer. That sounds problematic because yeah. there's always somebody who wants somebody dead. I mean, don't you want somebody dead? <laughs> this is getting, I do. This is getting dark. I've got a list. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything about it, but it doesn't mean I don't want him dead. Way existential. Um, a week earlier, Larry had nearly been struck by a bullet from another hunter. We don't know who it was. He was nearly struck by the bullet, but he didn't see who shot him. So I don't know how they identify it as another hunter. But he decided not to report it to the authorities. His brother reports this after Larry's death. So he's been shot at twice within a week of each other. One and time more successfully than the other. <laughs> and we, we interview M. William Phelps, a true crime expert, who I did a book signing with once and signed a copy of his book for me. Thank you, M. William. Hot. Uh, he tells us what is uh, what I was able to determine as well. Hunting accidents don't usually happen when people are sitting in their cars. Unless you're hunting in your car. I can't really see. Maybe, like, if you're hunting for the Kleenex or something, or, I guess. But, like, they, or driving through the woods, miss, shooting out the windows at, at animals. I, I don't know. I think uh, that's they weird. Thought, you know, like, usually they mistake you for an animal, and most animals don't drive cars. Very few. So Very few. I, even though some hunters will shoot at anything that moves, I think a car would be a reasonable exception. The stray bullet thing, though, since it is running right along beside the woods, I've thought that. In my own personal worst case scenario, oh fears driving through wooded areas yeah. in the country where you know people are out in the woods hunting, it's like, what's to stop the bullet if you know there isn't a deer between me and whoever is shooting right. it? Your big mouth, that's what'll stop the bullet. Okay, thirty miles <laughs> my north. Magical in, trick where I catch the bullet in my teeth. Thirty miles north in St. Louis, two men are shot dead in their cars. Another was shot in St. Louis around the time of Larry's death. The St. Louis victims were victims of robbery. I don't know why they even mentioned this. You could yeah, tell. How many people died in bed right. in just, St. Louis during the same period? Like, what? The bullet that killed Larry came from a two forty three high-powered rifle, which is commonly used for hunting. 
So the cops visited a shooting range a mile away from the death site, murder site, whatever we're calling it, on the other side of the river in Illinois. They thought it was possible a strange bullet from the range hit Flew Larry. across the Mississippi River and hit him on the highway in another state. A vehicle was parked. They didn't think it for long, because once they said it to somebody <laughs> like me who gave them that look, they stopped thinking that. It was a mile away, though. My God, how, how far can a stray bullet travel? Well, I would assume that it would depend on the gun, but I'm thinking on average hunting rifle. I hope not that nearly that far. We have programmed a whole month of episodes about crimes that happen outside in the snow. Two things neither of us have any experience with. And this one includes hunting. We should just in case we had any familiarity <laughs> at all. Yes, this is clearly been. This is a mistake we will not be repeating. Thank you for tuning I, in. No, I think it's fine to, to commit, but we can, we can just stop speculating, perhaps quite so aggressively. I have to think that that our commentary on hunting is going to be a sort of source of great um, amusement to anyone who's ever hunted before or is listening to this show. I don't think people tune in to hear us because of our expert opinions. <laughs> I'm thinking that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> All right. Maybe be our crackpot theories, but probably not our expert opinions. Two days after Thanksgiving, <coughs> Larry's family gathers to pay their respects. The entire town turns out because he was so well-loved in the community for having married a teenager he met in church. They wanted to make sure he was dead. Yes. Josh describes his mother as being blank-faced during the funeral. Uh-oh. Sign number two. She starts cleaning out the house not long after the funeral. Sign number three. She starts making room for a new man in her life who is played by a hot, young, shirtless reenactor. I am telling you, which was my favorite reenactor that we have maybe ever had on this show. Let's unpack this. Kevin O'Neill, who just suddenly shows up and is sitting in the den with his shirt off like the beginning of a a family dick episode. (laughs) Jesus. It is. It's the it's the form of shirtlessness that it takes. It's the styling, if you will, because as you said, he's just suddenly in the living room, but he has everything on except for his shirt. He's got jeans and shoes on in and the those easy jeans chair. Are, they were spray on jeans. It is really <laughs> like wow. It's, he looks good in those jeans. Like it it helps that the and jeans are on. He's not cast for anything else because he doesn't interact with anyone else. He's just reading. Like it's he's not even shirtless. clear that he could interact in reading. He's holding something that has. <laughs> Print on it while drinking a beer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is the new man in Tammy's life. Two weeks. Two weeks. And there's this half-naked teenager in her living room. But since she's a teenager, you can kind of... And it appears that they used to date in high school. Oh, yeah, they have a long... She's always which was been... maybe earlier that year. We've been friends for years, she tells everyone. Since seventh grade. Does not help her case. So Larry's brother, Randy... Is deciding Tammy is going down. Oh, yeah. He becomes a one-man army. Larry's been no fool Randy, we're calling him. Tammy is in a desperate financial situation, according to my notes, and that's weird because it turns out that LaRouche Industries, which is who Larry worked for, had a million-dollar policy on him. But Tammy realized that policy was to protect the company. (laughs) 
Too late, Sammy realized that that was not for her. That was for LaRoche. But then the insurance agent calls Randy, which is suspicious because Randy is his brother, not his wife. But apparently Randy was had a sympathetic ear for Larry's case. And I'm they sorry. Did, yeah, they just figured she wouldn't understand all those figures. Oh, think yeah. This was man talk. She said, he says there was a policy on Larry in the low six figures. And that is when Randy becomes convinced that his brother Larry was murdered. Investigators because before that, he wouldn't have given you two cents for Larry. <laughs> now I realized he could get $150,000 for him. Investigators speak to Kevin O'Neill of the shirtless Easy Boy, Lazy Boy, excuse me. <laughs> I think Easy Boy may be the way to go. That's his screen name, Easy Boy. <laughs> Easy Boy, Randy Easy Boy. He tells them that he and Tammy were high school sweethearts and they've been seeing each other off and on for a while. And he tells police that Tammy had multiple extramarital lovers and they should look into a guy named Charlie. There was a lot more to this exchange that did not get covered in this special. Like, how did they get from Kevin is, has no interest in protecting his love interest from a murder charge to... While sitting around half yeah. naked in the den drinking a beer with his teenage... Um, I don't know, stepson? I was just the weirdest. Okay. And then my favorite part of this whole exchange was apparently he gave them the name of two people. So she's having an affair with three people, but they never tell us who the third person is, <laughs> which drove me crazy. It may have been Randy. I've got my name on That Randy. would be amazing. That would be Randy. Okay, so I don't know. But Charlie is the one he throws them in the direction of. And Charlie says, well, Larry was my best friend, and I helped them around the house a lot. And I'm genuinely upset by Larry's death. And he let me sleep on the sofa because I was having marriage problems. So then Charlie's marriage problems turned into Larry's marriage problems because he began bringing Tammy flowers and loaning them money. Loaning the money is like loaning the money, loaning or paying hmm. Tammy for sex stuff. It's yeah, unclear. It does, it's not really entirely. They don't button that down too tight. Randy, who is coming across as the voice of reason because he was clearly cooperative with these producers, so they could put this episode together. He tells Larry, "I don't trust Charlie. Why are you letting this guy live in your house? This is terrible." But Larry says, "I don't trust him either, but I trust Tammy." Huge mistake. And, oh, guess what? Charlie has a two forty three rifle, which matches the bullet that killed Larry. But so does everybody else in Missouri, so it's not really that conclusive. There was this. There was the episode we did a while ago where it was like the body was kept in a human-sized freezer, and they were all like, everyone here has an animal-sized freezer. We're <laughs> hunting. We, we all got one. Right, we got to have somewhere to put that dead deer. Absolutely. Can't just leave it in the living room, for heaven's sakes. The head goes in the living room when you're done with the rest right. of it. That's how you get it to fit in the freezer. So Charlie is being very cooperative. He gives them permission to test his gun. And while they're awaiting results, they rule out Randy as a suspect, which, you know, huge shock. But then Randy brings them a surprising lead after he receives a startling phone call from a guy who says he was offered money to kill Randy. Maybe I got that wrong. If it was money to kill Larry or I think it's money to kill Randy because he's making so much trouble around his brother's death. Yes. The call came from a local grocer. Why the hell did someone try to get a local grocer to do this job, you might ask? Well, he didn't, because there's no proof any of this took place, and the local grocer turns out to be a lunatic who just wanted attention, apparently. And maybe he was the third guy sleeping with Tammy, or the fourth guy. I who think knows? Was, I think it was Brad Pitt, actually, and it was a cover-up. I think it was someone really famous. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt. Why else keep it a secret? I just, I don't, you know. 
I really, I think it was the police officer who was investigating the case. He said, if you include this, I won't give you any of more interviews. Yeah. Okay. So every time they go to talk to one of Tammy's male friends, the male friend points the finger at another male friend. It's like a circular firing squad. Tammy also does not seem remotely interested in them finding the killer. You're, that's her, her third or fifth or sixth big mistake in this. Like, <laughs> don't say nobody wanted them dead. Um, don't uh, move Give your, away all your throw yeah. away all your husband's stuff when you get home from the funeral, and don't move your half naked boyfriend in <laughs> to live naked to, to live in the living room um, with your children uh, until at least you know I'm going to say six months to a year at after your year. husband's been dead. Yeah, they have all those motels by the road for a reason. For a reason, you can go hook up and then come home and be with the kids and look like you're mourning your husband's death. Christopher and I, and all of us at TDPS, are still grieving the loss of my dear friend and our beloved premier party person, Anne Rice. But my mother's literary legacy gave birth to a diverse and wonderful community of readers and fans who continue to celebrate her work online. We invite you to join them on the Facebook page dedicated to Anne's legacy. That's where you'll receive the latest updates on new editions of her work and all the exciting changes coming to the AnneRice.com website. Also on the Anne Rice Facebook page, you can join the mailing list to receive all the latest news and information about her forthcoming celebration of life in New Orleans. That's at Facebook.com slash Anne Rice fan page, no spaces. If you believe, as we do, that Anne's work is as immortal as her characters, then join us at Anne Rice fan page on Facebook.com. See you there. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? The ballistic tests on Charlie's rifle are inconclusive, so now Charlie is refusing to talk. Suddenly, he's not cooperative. He thought the gun was going to get him off, and now he's got nothing to say to the cops. Because inconclusive means it could have been his gun, which means, hmm, Charlie, um, hmm. (laughs) And now... How did you see this playing out? Now we have an incident of Christopher got distracted by something while taking notes, because this is how the note reads. Can't wait. But Tammy's sister comes forward and says that Charlie has confided in her that she thinks Charlie would have done it. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense what I wrote. She thinks Charlie has confided in her that she thinks Charlie might have done it. I'm confiding in you that I think you think I might have done it. 
I just think that's really probably not exactly the way it unfolded. I don't think that's what I think he began confiding in stuff in her that made her suspicious he had done it. Christopher was trying to punch up the story a little bit. <laughs> so that it would be it's because everybody involved is an idiot. So he mm-hmm. was hoping that it would make it a little more confusing, oh, like God, throw some smoke up or some dust or something. We've to done a run of Create these. dramatic. Well, you know. You you captured it earlier. This is yeah. outdoor crimes about hunting people in the dead of winter. I, if you're looking for, I uh, you know the the high tone sophisticates and master villains, if you right, will, of, of you know yeah. Park Avenue. This is mm-hmm. probably not going to be where you find them. Okay, so Charlie says Tammy told him Estes, Missouri. <laughs> Charlie says Tammy told him if he didn't do it, she'd find somebody else who did. So they start recording the sisters' conversations with Charlie. He doesn't confess, but they get enough evidence for an arrest. And then Charlie caves and says Tammy told him that if he killed Larry, they could get together. But the reason that that happened is because they didn't. She hooked up with Kevin, shirtless Kevin, and Charlie is now pissed, so he's throwing her under the bus. I just, this is like, how did Tammy even get this far, like, with this crime, okay? She married Larry in the first place, so I'm just saying. Yeah, well, how old was she when she married Larry? I, like, they say know? teenage, and it's like 19 or 16. Anyway. 14. On Jerry November, Lee Lewis time. On November 21st, 2000, Charlie carried out their plan. He walks down the railroad tracks to the property, positions himself behind a tree, and shoots Larry as he drives by. Then after the murder. Which is, wow, Charlie, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a good shot, but he's a horrible person. A terrible person, yeah. but wow. Hit a man in a car speeding down the freeway from a stationary position in the woods. That's that's a pretty good shot because it's not like he hit him a bunch of times. There's one shot to the back of the head. And then after the murder, Tammy cuts him off, changes her phone number, and moves somebody else into the house. And... Boy, was that a mistake. When they arrest Tammy, she has a carefree demeanor and acts like a high school kid. Because she, she is one. She char- She's charged with first-degree murder. She claims Charlie Miller had been stalking her, and she had no involvement in any of this, except for the phone records showing all the phone calls and the love letters they exchanged. But other than that... Randy is awarded custody of her kids... I swear to God, when I heard them say it on the show, I thought that it was Kevin who had been awarded custody of the kids. It took me a minute to sort out that Randy and Kevin were different people. I no, was like, Kevin, oh, right, it's the brother. Kevin is doing— Who was also terrified because there was a, a death threat against him, too. Well, Kevin is probably doing gay porn now. That was what Kevin's been Or was for. doing it then. Yeah. He testifies—okay, this is Charlie now—testifies that after he shot Larry dead, he called Tammy on his cell phone and told her she could set one less plate for dinner. Charming. Here we are again. We talked about this in our last Larry's episode. Friend. She took an Alford plea to a charge of conspiracy and gets seven years. Yeah, there were a lot of Alford pleas in that disaster in the Russian Urals. Oh, was- God. <laughs> oh, no, that was, uh, sorry, two episodes ago, we talked about how we're always confused about what an Alford plea is. Well, Christopher talked about that, but we looked it up well, and you, we were less confused. Well, you looked yeah, it up wrong. after getting it wrong. So I was wrong. Not so, yeah. sure I'd be quite so superior, Eric Shockley. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm pretty my- sure you would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. 
I do. I've been friends with you a long I time. I am white trash. Um, yes. In 2008, Tammy Holman is released from prison but never regains her relationship with Josh. I should say so. I That's her son. I guess not. Yeah, because she killed his dad. What was the motive, the special asks us? Love, money, both, or were these people idiots, as I'm they I'm going to go with morons. Yeah, yeah. These are, this is some stupid What's people. What's missing, though? So, st- huge things are missing from this story they told us. Well, like the, the idea that we could go from married a teenage girl who he met in church to being the greatest guy in the world who everybody loved is right. like, I'm sorry, I'm just, that's not, that d- does not follow. Mm-hmm. That story doesn't scan. Like, right. I'm thinking that Larry was maybe a more terrible person than Larry was or was portrayed as being. Like, right. he was still murdered, which doesn't make anybody who killed him a great guy. Mm-hmm. But I really think that there was more about emancipation involved in the mm. killing of Larry than was really alluded to in this crime. It wasn't just that she was hot to trot and yeah. Larry was cock-blocking her. I think that she was, like, trying to get away from Larry for reasons that that, to me, seems to me the part of the story that's missing. What part of the story do you think is I missing? I think you're right. I think the whole... Any church that thinks it's okay to, like, marry a teenager when you're you're a grown man, like, what kind of church? Yeah, and he was, like, in his 40s, right? She was no, I think he was in his late 40s. 20s. I think that's oh, what they said. Well, that doesn't seem so terrible. I thought, I had the impression that he was much older than her. Maybe he was, but they didn't want us to know a lot about that part. That's the thing. That was what got my hackles up. Like, Yeah, if they'd said he was in his 20s and married a teenager, we'd be like, well, all right, he's... Five, but ten years older than her. Beloved member of the community always sets me off because that doesn't mean shit. Plenty of psychopaths have been beloved members of the community. It's like I, it, there was skipping over the surface of what was really going on here, and I think you're right. I think she was a she probably got married too young, and and their desire, their really extreme desire to portray her as this nymphomaniac is yeah. just like mm, that doesn't really yeah. I'm not really buying into that entirely. Like, there's a lot else going on in the story that, that seems like, and that to me is the big missing piece. Is I, I don't want to blame the victim because I'm not going to say that killing your husband was a great solution to this problem. Leaving your husband, it's always the thing with married people when we have these stories. It's like, why is this better than just breaking up with I them? I don't know. I don't understand. What are you? What do you think you're going to get out of killing them that you couldn't get by just leaving? I think for some people it's really expensive to get divorced. I don't think it's more expensive for one person than the other. Well, I think for people with less money, people for whom everything is more expensive because they don't have much money. That's what I was trying. I was trying to connect with. I guess yeah. I would think that some sort of that the you know at some level it's paperwork. Yeah. And a lawyer, you, and a lawyer, and well, legal bills, right? If you want, but I don't think I don't think that would necessarily be required. I would think you could go down to the if you can apply for a marriage license without a lawyer, you can't apply for a divorce without one. Kids, kids, custody. We have seen custody. It <laughs> yeah, worked out great with the kids. Well, yeah, but she's an idiot. I mean, that's the thing. Also, you're talking about an idiot trying to process something complicated. But like, the, the we have seen custody result in more of these murders. Like, I think we're, we're getting ready to talk about another Custody one is a different yeah. story. Fighting about custody, I'm not going to say that's okay, but I can at least kind of understand yeah. that. But, like, Lacey Peterson's husband, Scott, was not hard up for cash for a lawyer. Mm-mm. 
Like, why Why not just break up with her? I just... I don't know. I'm just playing I devil's advocate. I'm with never you. never as... I just never under... Like, there, there are... I can imagine a lot of things as a reason for, um, for, for killing somebody. Like, but I want to break up with them isn't one of them. Break up with them. Right. He's terrible and abusive. Then go hide somewhere and break up with them from a distance, but break up with them. Right. Yeah. No, I don't... I, I, listen... I'm just trying to play the other side, but I'm with you. I just, I don't, there has to be, I can't see it as being driven by anything other than a vendetta and a desire, a rageful desire to get back at somebody, to erase them. I don't see why you would murder, I don't see why you would murder someone otherwise. You're trying to erase someone when you murder them. And this is the heavily armed man. I think he said, if you try to divorce me, I'll kill you. So she Mm -hmm. killed him. Yeah. Or something like that seems more plausible to me than he was just the greatest guy. Mm-hmm. And so I killed him. Like, right. I just I What? And the only way to make that story work, which is what they tried to do, is she was this horrible sex-crazed slut. You know, right. that's how they just, depicted was, her. She was right. just this crazy info yeah. who, and she may well have been, but it still doesn't make her a murderer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that's about as rich as this story gets. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, this is part of the reason I was killing time at the top of the... I know. I told you to tell the long version of the WKRP in Cincinnati story. I took as long as I could. It's not that long a story. Maybe I should tell the story of Robin Hood or (laughs) Treasure Island or something. We've got, you know, an hour or two left. Okay, listen, this is what I'll do. This is what I'll I'll tell you. Okay, let's tell you. So if, (laughs) if Tammy came to you, right, this Tammy... And said, I'm having pr- problems with my husband. <laughs> Would you tell her to do any of this? <laughs> no. The answer is no. No, of course not. I right. mean, that's the part that I'm just always baffled by. I mean, right. there is almost never a circumstance where I they, I decided I wanted to break up with my partner, so I killed them. Like, unless the partner is, you know— violent and threatening to kill you. Mm, yeah. Then like right. oh okay, that yeah. becomes a weird sort of protracted form of self-defense. And I don't think it's still your best bet, but I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. Like I would have less reluctance on my own part, but this was not the other. The other thing that's really interesting about the story is that it really gives more credence to why she talked him out of taking Josh with her. Mm, mm-hmm. Which nobody brought up during the course of the the rest of the story, including Josh, yeah, who might have been killed um, had she not done that, because he's still, you know, annoyed with his mother for killing his dad. But yeah, there was there was what what could you have possibly, what could she have possibly thought would work in her favor after convincing a man to kill her husband and then cutting the man off and moving in somebody else. Who thinks that's going to fucking work out? I'm sorry. That is just like... I, there was no point at which she was presented with something that seemed like, oh, this is the way to go. Right, yeah. Like, none of her decisions are lead to anything great. And I'm like, how did you see this playing out? Yeah. I mean, even if she had taken up with Charlie, like, would that have seemed so much more plausible? Mm-hmm. No. Would, what would be the great benefit? Charlie looked like he was living in somebody's garage. I mean, I'll, I want to be very clear about something. It's always a good thing when somebody doesn't know how to get away with murder. Yeah, I I'm think that's a, just fine and whatever. But if you're getting back to the case of like, if you're reason, if you out there are considering murdering somebody, don't. That's it, our first thing. Think it all the way through. A, yeah. it's probably. I can tell you, it's not your best option right now from yeah. here without knowing any of the circumstances. 
But if you're not convinced, then think it all the way through. Like, how how do you see it playing out? What's going to happen that's going to be, oh, here's the great thing that I get. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't even, hadn't even figured out the insurance angle of it. No. She didn't have money to live on. Like, which is the thing that says to me, this is a woman who is in much more desperate straits than we are being presented with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because this seems like desperation. Using its desperation. I think it has to be. Yeah. Like, I'm desperate to sleep. She was apparently already sleeping with everybody already. So I don't think that was it. Mm-hmm. What could she possibly, unless she was, you know, certifiable, what could she possibly have seen as a... What do you make of the husband's line? I may not trust my friend Charlie, who's staying in her house and bringing her flowers, but I trust my wife. Why do you think he said that with such alleged confidence? I would assume because he thought he had married a fool. Or somebody he had completely overpowered. Yeah, yeah. and that he had complete control over her, I assume, because yeah. I think that gets back to who Larry was in all of this, the Larry of it, if you will. <laughs> um, I just, like, I Larry is not present, and I don't know that that would change anything, and it certainly doesn't make it okay to kill him, but it makes me more curious about, because I'm always saying, like, I, the same, like, we, I brought up Scott and Lacey Peterson. You know, like, mm-hmm. I am way in, more interested in what actually was going on because just from the surface, it's like, you're not stupid, you're not poor, you're not desperate, you're not in terrible circumstances. And while he was with that other woman, he didn't seem that committed to the other woman either. So you're not desperately in love to dying to be with somebody and and Lacey won't let you go. Mm-hmm. Like, I what else was happening that made that seem like the best option? I don't know. I think neither one of us have ever been in a marriage, right? We've never been married, and we've never been um, the type of people who feel like you have to stay even when it's not working. And it's I don't know if people are socialized to believe that way, if they end up getting trapped in a relationship that they feel they, they can't leave because of the social consequences, the familial consequences, other people's disapproval. So murder has fewer social consequences? They, Do you know what I mean? Like I just... If they don't think they're going to get caught, and that's the stupid thing. How many people don't believe they're going to get caught? Who do these crimes You know that we talk about on this special? It's like... How could she believe she was not going to get caught, given the way she? That's that's what I'm tripping on. What's that Stephen King story? The um, Pet Cemetery? No, it's the woman's name. Dolores Claiborne. Dolores Claiborne. Claiborne. Yes. Maybe it's Dolores Claiborne. Maybe this is all Stephen Spiel. Stephen King's fault. We're not blaming Stephen. We're Spielberg. not blaming either or Stephen King. We're not blaming either one, but. There's a lot of calculation and plotting. Dolores Claiborne does her own work in yes. that story. Sometimes an accident, Dolores, is an unhappy woman's right. best friend, or I don't know. An unhappy woman's best yeah, friend, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know where you would wind up, right. how you would wind up at that place without how you would believe you were going to get away with it. You know, last minute, happened at an accident, and then I tried to cover it up. Okay, mm-hmm. I kind of get that. I don't think it's a great thing, but I can see how that would happen. But when it's your actual plan, but in that, I think what you just described is the vast majority of homicides that come oh, yeah. in. That is heat of the moment. I shoved no her. Planning, she fell down the stairs and broke her neck. And, and I'm giving you a bull, bullshit story that's easily disprovable because I've had no time to think it up. That's what the system is designed yeah. to handle. 
Yeah. And that really, th those are like, okay, I don't think that's a great idea, but I can see how you'd wind up just out of necessity in that position because you don't want to just tell people you killed them. Yeah. Um, unless it was self-defense or something. I can see fear and all of those things playing in. But when your actual plan is, I always think either A, wow, you didn't think this all the way through, or B, the thing I think more likely is there is something else that I don't know mm -hmm. that is in play here. But I have to say, and we've, we've done more of these recently, these one-hour episodes, self-contained things. I walk away from everyone feeling that. It's why I walk away eager to hear your take, because you usually are able to fill in the gaps. Like, what are you not telling me? There's no way you got this whole story in here in an hour. And, and I think it's getting spoiled from watching nuanced, complicated four-episode documentaries about crimes and seeing how many blind alleys the investigations go down and how many players contribute to new right. revelations of information, all that sort of stuff. I just think what we, we're seeing the bias emerge here. We're seeing the producer who says, no, I'm going to blame the young wife and say she was a, she was sex crazy. She was this sex crazy slut. Who's yeah. sleeping with everyone. Or I'm going to blame the rap music, which happened a few episodes ago. And it's like, I... I um, I wonder if, like, we should nominate one of these for further exploration. Like, we should go back. Because we found the one where they straight washed, which we talk about we all the time. But, like, there are a couple times where we do a story and I go and I buy, I see if there is a credible um, book out there about it. And I'll buy it. But usually it's been because the story is so disturbing in a weird way. I want to exercise it or I want to find out if there were details about it that are maybe more comforting. Some people survived or worked out or whatever. One of those was the um, the Matamoros cult killings in Mexico, the young man who was killed on spring break in a horrible fashion. That was such a disturbing story. We did it early on in the history of True Crime TV Club. I got the book on that. Uh, th then there was, But sometimes there's one where it's like, I just didn't hear the whole story. And you discover, oh, my God, there was this player in the narrative that the special just chose to... Just some fact of this story. Leave on like, the floor. Huh. Yeah. Because the behavior is so inexplicable. And I guess the other thing to take into consideration is the inexplicability of a lot of people's behavior. Yeah. Like, I just think that it is possible, and I, I find it hard to, because we're writers and we see stories in a more sort of structural way, mm -hmm. it is hard for me to wrap my head around somebody who doesn't need any of those things. It's yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to kill him. Because that's what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. I don't see what the advantage is for me, or I don't see how I'm going to get away with it, or anything else. I just want him dead. Like, okay, that's... To me, I need more than that. Well, and I think that is our preoccupation, because as you just said, as writers, we have to present characters that are motivated in some believable way. Or... I have a motivation that I can more, that I can see, whether yes. they are revealing it to me or not. Lori Vallow. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, what a monster. What an absolute... Monster, yeah. Narcissistic, selfish monster. But that's the explanation. She doesn't reveal that to you, but you can see it by her every action. Mm -hmm. So that she seems pretty clear. I... You know, like I can say, how could you kill your own children so that you could go... um you know, fuck this guy who killed his wife to be with you. But mm -hmm. really, I think that's sort of asked and answered. Like, okay, right. I kind of yeah. get it. I, I don't think it's a good she, choice. She gave herself over to a delusion for a very self-serving reason, an evidently self-serving reason. Absolutely, like yeah. killing the husband when she didn't know that she didn't get anything, that he had left everything yeah. to other people and she wasn't going to get a dime out of killing him. And she, 
I think wouldn't have killed him if yeah. she had known that she wasn't going to get anything out of it because she was only about advancing her own cause. And that seems clearly to be her motivation. Mm-hmm. Like all of that bullshit about Mormonism, I think, had nothing to do with it at well, all. Well, she's like, sitting in prison now, and the, the, the expiration dates for those apocalyptic, you know, the end of the world was supposed to have happened already. What is she thinking, that they just moved it for her because she couldn't, you know, be out to enjoy the end of the world on her own? I, like don't know about those levels of yeah, delusions. I, I, I can't really answer that, but it makes, like, it's got to be the comeuppance of what do you do on the other side of it when, you know, what is Pam, the trouble with Pam? The thing about the Pam. The thing about yes. Pam. What is she telling herself now? Who is she planning to blame this on now? You yeah. know what I mean? What's her next strategy for uh, her own innocence after all of the specials and the Renee Zellweger film that they've made about it? Mm-hmm. Are we really going to go to a place where, you know, I whatever? The, I think it's part of the reason I have such a deep emotional attachment and investment in the outcome of the the Menendez murders mm-hmm. because those boys said right up front we killed them mm-hmm. they didn't try and make any like they said but here's why and then the court said no you can't tell us why mm-hmm. we just want to make up our own reason which is as bad as these shows or the people who are like Lori who are making up a reason trying to make it about religion right. as opposed yeah. to it being about um Something they wanted it to be. No, you just wanted nice clothes and a big house and right. and and a expensive watch. And it was like I already had all that before mm-hmm. I murdered my parents. That would be. This was about being raped from the time that I was a child. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have gone to jail for it, but right. I am saying that you know they've been punished enough, and that it's a very different kind of circumstance. And I, agree. And I can feel more strongly towards them than I can in stuff like this, where you're just. Like saying, oh, yeah, it was really unfair to me, so, mm-hmm. or I was really in love with this guy, no, this guy, no, that guy, or, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think this was a, I think this was a case of desperation that we're not seeing, but that's my guess. Yeah. Because in no way was it portrayed in this, in Ice Cold Killers. Next week, Home Sweet Homicide. The episode <gasps> is entitled Footsteps in the Snow, Season mm-hmm. 1, Episode 1. This will finish out wintertime, our wintertime crime series. We're no longer allowed to call it a month, apparently. That was just dropped on me earlier in the episode. Well, I think that that's been dropped on us two or three days. You're <laughs> the one who says, I know. Everybody's always like, what do you mean a month? What month? This isn't a month. Uh, it didn't start at the month. What month? TDPS month, which is the four episodes we sit down to record in one session. Right. But, this um, is the, 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 the series okay. that we're doing. Home Sweet Homicide, Footsteps in the Snow. It's not a painting by Thomas. Oh, I forgot Kincaid. Kincaid or Norman Rockwell. Or Norman Rockwell. It is actually an episode of About a Murder in Chestnut Ridge, New York. Until next time and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thank you. This is TDPS.